the Greenville Smart Podcast. It's been a long time. Deloy, Cole, and myself are back in the studio. Happy 2020. Happy 2020. Thanks, Deloy. Uh, Breck Nelson is uh, not with us today. He's uh, on another assignment of great importance. Um, we'll let him tell you about that some other time. Um, this is our first podcast back from a long winter break, basically. Uh, first podcast of 2020. We're very excited about this year because, well, the Smart Center is opening this year, and actually it's opening very soon. We already have a few events on the calendar. Um, there is a, a, a Chamber of Commerce event happening on February 6th, uh, Business After Hours for Chamber members, uh, which the university is a member of the Chamber of Commerce, so all university employees and students, they can come to it if they want to. It's just a, it's a small a, a gathering of... Um, you know, just networking and, and tours of the building. Then at the end of February, we have uh, two events scheduled for that weekend. The 28th, we have a student event scheduled. Um, we're calling it Chick and Flicks instead of Chick Flick, which I initially suggested, but uh, I got vetoed because <laughs> it's a little misleading. So we're bringing in some uh, Chick-fil-A uh, that evening, and we're going to have some movies on the top floor um, with the... Uh, with Jake Edmondson's students class. Students love their Chick-fil-A. That's, that was the word. We met with the GSGA, and that was the recommendation for that event. Of course, you know, they love all sorts. As long as there's food, I think, a lot of times. Who's GSGA? Uh, Greenville Student Association. Association. There <laughs> there's another letter in there, though, I think, that I'm missing. GSGA. Right? <laughs> Yeah. They know who they are. They just added another G. That's right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> does it GSA? I don't know. I don't know. I've got a lot of letters in my head, like the EDA and the and the USDA and um, GU, etc. So that's happening. Um, the 29th will be more of a community-based event. We're going to have um, Joyce Chaos performing along with a, a, a another form of entertainment. We're looking into having a magician come and possibly... Uh, do a little something, and that'll be open to the community, but we'll have more details as that gets closer. So the opening is coming soon. Rocket Bowls, the restaurant for the ground floor, uh, expected to open by Valentine's Day. So if you want to ask someone out for Valentine's Day and go to Rocket Bowls, well, there you go. It should be ready for, for that if you want to. And other events scheduled um, March and April, actually, a few events, but uh, we'll mention those at another time. Not all of them are open to the public. Some are private events. But we'll get to that. So things are happening at the Smart Center on 2nd Street in Greenville. But getting back to what we normally do with our Greenville uh, Greenville Smart podcast, and that's bringing in uh, local celebrity types, business owners, uh, people associated with the university, uh, and just Greenville folks of importance. And these two guests, they, they meet all of that criteria. They're local celebrities, whether they know it or not. They're important community members. <laughs> They're related to the university. They're shaking their heads. <laughs> you two are awesome. And I'm talking about Amy and Beth Marcoute. Welcome to the Greenville Smart Podcast at last. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Oh, thanks for being here. It's uh, we've, been, we've been working on this for some time, and, and people have been saying, when are you going to have Amy and Beth on the podcast? I'm like, well, you know, they're busy. So <laughs> it, it really, you know, we have to get our schedules together. Um, so yeah, we're dying to, to have you in here. People want to know all about you. And a lot of people do know a lot about Marcoute Jersey Creamery, um, and you two and your family, but a lot of people don't. 
So I just kind of wanted to start with the history of your farm for starts for starters. Can you tell us a little bit about the family farm? Yeah, sure. Um, so the farm that we are on right now uh, is about four miles south of Greenville on Dudleyville Road. Um, that farm was built or was purchased by my grandparents, um, my grandma and grandpa Marku, in 1954. My dad was born in 1952, so he's been there his basically his whole life. Um, we are the seventh generation of Markuts to have Jersey cows. Our family came from Switzerland in 1842 and brought a Jersey calf with them on the boat. So they settled around the Highland, uh, Bond, Madison area, and uh, every generation since then have, has had Jersey cows. We know this because it's in the family Bible. That's really thick. That has a lot of <laughs> wheat in our family. So... Um, so Jersey cows, my dad was the first generation to really take it from being sustainable for a family of just providing the needs of milk and butter and that sort of thing to have on your table to an actual commercial operation, so to say. So um, he started full-time in 1970, and he built it up to... Um, what it's been a, a variety of different levels of farming um, where we used to do row crops and we don't do those anymore and we graze our cows which is kind of unique to dairying um, and uh, right now we built a um, we milk about a hundred cows consistently and um, in 2010 we built the creamery to process our own milk into cheese. Yeah, how did that come about? How did you, because I know the two of you were doing other things. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so in 2007, actually, <clears throat> I was living overseas, and my mom called to say that my parents were thinking that probably about five years at that time, my dad would turn 60 in five years. He would probably sell the cows. And uh, my parents had four daughters, um, Amy, I'm the oldest, and Bess the second. And uh, we were off doing other things. My parents actually told us they wanted us to go to college, get a degree, and go do something else, try to have a normal life, whatever that is. And so we were, I actually have a master's degree in counseling, so I was uh, doing some of that working overseas. And Beth was uh, working at a camp in Southern Illinois doing outdoor recreation, outdoor education, and having a really fun time uh, for the most part, I would say. Not getting paid very much. <laughs> yeah. but, well, there's a trade-off yeah, there. Yeah. But, I mean, you enjoyed that work quite a bit. So we, but when she said that, there was a poll to think about what, is there a way to keep it? We've done it for so long. Is there a way to keep the family farm going and moving forward? But what my dad saw whenever I was 16 years old and, uh, you know, as I was nearing graduating high school, he said, you know, Amy, it's just going to be really hard to keep a small family farm sustainable. It's just really difficult to make ends meet unless you have either a really large farm or you do something else. And so whenever we started talking about, well, what could we do if we wanted to keep the farm? What could we do? And he said, you, same thing. You need to be, become a huge dairy. You need to have a thousand plus cows or you need to add value to your milk somehow. And uh, Beth remembers the story of dad always wanting to 
make cheese. Yeah, I think it was in the 90s when a bunch of farmers in Northern California got together and they put every last penny that they had into a pot and they basically made a pretty large cheese manufacturing facility to today um, called Hillmar Cheese. And I remember my dad look, taking us to the front window and saying, wouldn't that be so cool if we can make cheese with our cow's milk one day? And so, it's, of course, as like an eight-year-old, I'm like, oh, dad, you're so funny. Not really thinking <laughs> that it would actually ever happen because uh, we clearly had other plans or dreams in our life. But I think uh, the thing that draws, uh, drew us back was a lot of things, but I think it was just the connection to the family, connection to the land, and taking great pride and purpose in uh, working with your hands and being able to serve other people in that capacity too. That's amazing. The thing is, you know, I would, I would think, yeah, that tree is a great idea. Uh, did you, either one of you know how to make cheese? Nope, we had never <laughs> made cheese. Whenever we made our first batch vat of cheese in uh, March of 2010, we're almost 10 years old. This year we'll celebrate our 10th anniversary um, that we had it flew a cheesemaker in from Vermont. And we had gone to some small trainings here and there to learn basic things. But what that cheesemaker, his name's Peter Dixon, what he told us is you just have to, it's a, it's a trade and you have to practice. And I could teach you in Vermont, but until you learn to work with your milk and your animals and the, with the feed that they're eating, you just have to practice over and over. So needless to say, we opened to the public on June 5th of 2010 and the learning curve was pretty sharp yeah. because what we knew was on the line was our family business. And I always uh, tease people, there are two reasons why I didn't sleep the first two years, um, other than just working 16, 18 hour days <laughs> consistently. Um, the, but realizing whenever you make food and whenever you manufacture thing, you have to really take care of and you have to be very clean. And oh, sure. there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of regulations around that. So we wanted to make sure we were following all the rules right. But it's a fact you have to learn what those rules are. And uh, luckily, my mom is a dietitian and oh. a, uh, retired as a public health inspector. So she loves sanitation, which is really interesting. <laughs> but the other thing was the reality that if we didn't figure this out and figure this out quick, I, we were going to lose it. And I didn't, I tease people and I say, I don't, didn't want to be the one to write in the family Bible, Amy jacked it up. And so <laughs> we uh, learned as fast as we could and we figured it out because we went from just being a dairy farmer where we sold the milk to the co-op. And we didn't have to worry about selling, marketing, any of those components to having to do everything, which is what we wanted. That was the choice right. that we made. But to learn how to sell, market, build a brand, launch a brand, uh, go into buyers, figure out what they mean, whether they use language that's only specific to retail, it's a pretty sharp learning curve. And um, it, was, it was really difficult the first few years. Yeah, this is how much we didn't know about making cheese. When Peter came out, he had told us that we need to get a rake so we could uh, rake the curd back. Uh, whenever you have uh, cheese, you have curds and whey, so think Little Miss Muffet. And um, <laughs> whey is a very important part. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, in order for it to get the whey out of the vat, you have to pull the curd back. The curd will then knit back together and make cheese. And um, so he flew out. We were making cheese. And the day before, um, somebody went into town and got a rake. We didn't know why we needed a rake. We just said, just have a rake. Yeah. So we went to the hardware store and we bought a rake. Yeah, it was a wooden rake. <laughs> We're like, why does he want us to have Like, are we doing leaves? Like, what is this? So he, we bring it out and he's like, oh, no. 
Oh, no, 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 no. You meant a curd rake, which is stainless steel, food grade, all so these things. So could have told you that. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> cheesemakers yet. Well, yeah. needless to say, we overnighted one, so we had it for the next day. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's on him. Yeah. <laughs> but he tells us that story a lot to his classes. We're so <laughs> yeah. glad to have yeah. that. Yeah. Good to have some humor. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys got the hang of it, obviously. Um how many, for, I mean, did you start with just like, okay, we're just going to make this kind of cheese, this one type of cheese, and then uh, how did it evolve from there? Um, the influence was really um, based on a lot of factors, but we wanted to honor our heritage. We're, mm-hmm. our Switzer, our, the Marcus family is from Switzerland, and so we wanted to honor that, and we wanted to make some Swiss-style, Alpine-style cheeses. But we knew that being in the Midwest, we'd have to do some more familiar style oh, cheeses sure. as well. So, um, you know, on the east and the west coast, the people are slightly more adventurous with their food. And, and we're just not in the Midwest. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, we like our meat and potatoes. I like them too. And so it's a no big deal. But we knew that we had to make some cheeses like that. But we were limited with some of the equipment that we had. So we had to also make cheeses. But our we had to put all of our milk into cheese overnight. And so we were like, okay, we have all... All this milk that we used to sell to the co-op and now we immediately have to make all this into cheese. And so for us, it was a, a, we realized that we needed to make a lot of variety. So if we had an opportunity to go and sell at a farmer's market or for a chef, maybe they would buy six of our cheeses instead of just one kind. So we uh, very quickly went from like six cheeses to 12 cheeses to we make 22 different uh, wow. over 22 different styles of cheese at this point and but it just all that milk has to go into cheese so we have to diversify our offerings how much milk would your say your cows produce a day it's about 3400 pounds a day and so if we make cheese three or four days a week you know that's a that's a good bunch of milk <laughs> and cheese <laughs> so but um we're on track here in um, 2020 to make 150,000 pounds. Of 150 cheese. to 170. It just sort of depends wow. on the year, and as long as the weather is good, and we don't have a drought and things like that. Yeah, all those things will affect. We'll, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll have a really good year this year with uh, production. Now, how many cows did did you have to increase your head? I mean, what did you start yeah, with, so and what do you have now? We started with about 50, 55 milking cows. Uh-huh. Uh, and we got to the point in 2015, 2016, where we were selling out of everything. We never had enough to fill the orders. So we made a decision to invest more money into the farm and put in robots, but also yeah. double our herd size, essentially, or close to it. So that's why we're milking right around 100 cows now. And we put in the milking robots to milk the cows. Um, our, our milking parlor where we used to milk the cows was pretty outdated. Oh, and so okay. uh, it was just a big investment that we had to choose. Are we going to keep doing this? If we are, we need to do something a little bit different. So. And, and what I, I've been out there, and if you haven't been out to the creamery, one of the things you get to see, because of that big window you have, even if you're standing inside, is the cows walk in and basically say, like this booth, and they're like, all right, I'm ready to be milked, and this the that's the milking robot you're talking mm-hmm. about, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so we, um, they, there, we had some neighbors that they installed theirs in 2009, 2010, and at that time, my dad was like, we have to get those. But we had just built the creamery, so I was like, just give us a little bit. Um, and so 2017, we opened a robot barn, but our whole um, idea with making cheese and being on, far on the farm is also our tourism. We really think that it's important to educate people, and customers are wanting transparency. They want to know where the food from it doesn't matter if it's cheese or eggs or beets they want to know where it's from and so we have always had a strong desire to educate and to teach people and um, and especially about agriculture we're very passionate about that um, so whenever you walk into the creamery we have viewing windows so people can watch us make cheese and then you could go out to the robot barn where we have nearly floor-to-ceiling glass um, that um, people can see the cow side and where they be cows, they eat, drink, sleep, and rub their back. Um, and then the um, stationary automated milkers, the robots, uh, where they come in, they get milked. And then they just get to kind of see the whole process. And then you could jump on over to the calf barn and see the baby calves where they stay for the first three or four months of their life. So our intention with our tourism is to educate and be as experiential as, as possible and um so much of the world today as farms in America are dwindling and dwindling, like there's just so much less people farming than there was in 1950 and 1970 even. And so people think that they're really far removed from agriculture, but they're not because whenever they come to the farm and they smell the cow manure, they're like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I remember this on my grandpa's farm when I was a kid. Oh, sure. uh, so, um, so it's kind of neat for people to actually feel a connection back to their own heritage and to their own life. And um, they, they could take pride in their own being as well. It, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. It's a great, uh, I think, especially take your kids out there and uh, yeah, like you had said, those viewing windows, those cows are the prettiest cows I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. you, you'll know when you go there, you'll say, oh, I agree, that's a very handsome cow. But um, <laughs> I love that they, they come up to the windows, they're curious to see you. And then, like you talked about, the getting their backs. Mm -hmm. What they have these automatic like back scratchers, basically. Yeah, it's a... the can walk up and just get like a little massage. Or a little... <laughs> yeah, they um they really 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 enjoy it. We have two. It hangs kind of on a post, and whenever they activate it, it will go ahead and um make several rotations, and the cow can scratch her nose all the way to her tail. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so funny to watch. <laughs> they love it. You can just you can tell, and 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 it's almost like a little cow spa. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and then the the, the milking robots that's amazing too I, I didn't even know how you when you go out there they explain to you how it works and yeah it, the cow enters it willingly yeah and yep yeah it, she has a basically a responder on her neck that's a fitbit for a cow it tracks it, uh, it tracks all of her biometrics all the time every 20 minutes it sends data to the computer so i have more information that i than what i know what to do with but it's really good information for herd health animal health and um all sorts of applications for that but i would like to say on record that these robots were not amy and 
Disney's idea. True they story. Were, yeah, they were our father's idea. <laughs> and the a lot of people think that it's the younger generation wanting all this technology. But um, I still use my pen and paper <laughs> a lot throughout the day. And people are like, why don't you trust the technology? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe... I'm really old. I don't know, <laughs> but um, but this was my this was my dad's idea. So well, that, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Yeah, I gotta is. say, um, and that's another thing you have you're, you're able to track the health of the cows, and you guys you you you, you genuinely care about the health of the cows, and they're well taken care of. Um, a lot of times, you you know, people say, well, these animals aren't taken care of on these farms. Well, they are at your farm, definitely. Yeah. You know, most farmers don't get into farming with the intention of hurting things. Exactly. Um, I realize that there's bad players in any industry. Yeah. However, I will say that the reason why people want to generally want to be a farmer is to take care of the land. And the the whole, my dad took care of the land and the animals so that the next generation could have it. We're always looking ahead to the next generation. And we'll say to our nieces and nephews or whatever kids that hey look if you don't go to college get a degree don't come back but we hope that we build a business that's worthy of wanting to come back too if they would want it exactly but it has to be something that's profitable and something that's sustainable for more than just one family exactly and well that's what you're doing too it's not just the cheese that was how you started Mm -hmm. but you've got other products now too yes yeah, so a really fun product that we created uh, a few years ago in 2017 when we doubled our herd side herd size, we realized that we had excess whey that we needed to do with. And as Beth mentioned earlier, whey is really valuable. A lot of most creameries in bigger, more heavily saturated areas where there's more creameries or just big creameries, they'll take the whey and they'll dehydrate it down mm-hmm. or they'll sell it to a de- dehydration company. And then it turns into that powder stuff that bodybuilders or people yeah. who want to be healthy put into their shakes and to get more protein in their diet. And so one of the things that Audie, who is our other business partner, um, she said in 2017, we got to figure out how to utilize this way because we just can't waste anything. If we're really going to achieve profitability and sustainability, we cannot waste a single thing. And so she set to work. I said, I don't care what you make or how you make it, but it just has to be so good that somebody could give it to their kid and their kid thinks it's like a dessert and they think that they're pulling one over on mom and dad, but mom and dad know that actually they're pulling one over on the kid. Okay. Right. That, that's the standard here. <laughs> it has to be that good. So Audie went to work and developed a product and initially it rolled out as whey ice. And so she developed this crushed fruit, only fruit in the way off of the cheese. So there's protein and there's fruit. Um, and 20, let's see. So 2018, about April, I uh, always go and do a sales call to the St. Louis Cardinals because they sell our cheese in the luxury suites. And uh, Chef Larry, who is a really, really kind man and just a good friend, he uh, said, you know, I mean, this is a really good product, this way icing, but have you ever thought about adding more protein to it? He said that the trainers are always trying to find ways to get these athletes to have more protein. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. I said, well, if I could come up with something, would you try it? And he's like, heck yeah, let's set a date now. And so on my way home, I'm calling Audie. And I'm like, is there any way you can get 20 or 30 grams of protein in a container with this crushed fruit? By the time I was home, she had it figured out. Oh, wow. And so I made a meeting. I went back and we went down to the training room and uh, let some of the players try it, but then also let the strength and conditioning and the 
people, folks try it and the chefs try it and they're like, man, this is so good. We got to figure this out. And so that is whenever we came up with extreme ice and extreme ice is a five ounce. There's just crushed fruit, no added sugar, 20 grams of protein in a five ounce container, which is really incredible to get that much protein in that small of a container. A lot of times, if you want that much protein, you have to have like four granola bars or you have to drink a shake that's like 20 ounces and it can kind of make you feel a little bit bloated or something, but this doesn't do that. And so we went through a whole process of getting it certified so we could sell it to professional athletes and we're rolling it out. We're launching this product now, actually. So it initially just started with the athletes, right? I mean, it didn't, it wasn't available to the public. That's right. You had it with the Cardinals, and then was it the Rangers? Texas Rangers. The uh, sports dietitian, mm-hmm. Stephanie Fernandez from the Texas Rangers, helped us quite a bit, too, and gave us a lot of feedback and suggestions to try to make it really good, but also really good for the players. Right. But Extreme Ice isn't just for the athletes. And so, because we know that protein, protein is our brain power. Protein is what we need to heal our bodies. So when athletes have it after a workout, they need protein to rebuild those muscles that have been torn down when they build muscles. So um, it's the applications for Extreme Ice are kind of endless. And it's a really exciting product for us because we see a lot of need for health care for oh, yeah. people who can't swallow well or people who need a a liquid diet or um, my youngest is just turned two and um, I was always worried as a mom uh, after he turned one he was always in like the 16th percentile for weight and it really scared me because I didn't know if I was doing my job and you know like giving him he's just really fast and you can't catch him (laughs) so but I was concerned about that and my pediatrician said yeah we should be working on trying to get him some you know more calories in and I'm like okay uh, he's like give him butter I don't care but just give him yeah. so and I was like well I'll try this extreme ice you know and so I sit it down in front in front of my 13 month old kid and he's just devouring it and That's then awesome. he wants another one I'm like is 40 grams of protein okay <laughs> and, it, and it was fine but the next visit um he was like, wow, he's in the 25 percentile. What did you do? I'm like, I did extreme ice. That's what we did. <laughs> so they're and selling it at the pediatrician's office Yeah, that's now. right. And so, but I mean, it's good for people who just need protein, whether it's kids, college students or, who need to focus. Um, or older people, like our yeah. parents and my mother can't keep weight on. You yeah. Know? Um, and, and we have a local yeah. resident in, in Greenville that they come out every week or every couple weeks and they buy some. He has diabetes and they're in their mid 70s and he will say you know as I'm getting older my my muscles aren't working as they should I really have to get protein and he's like this stabilizes my my blood sugar level and you know and so it just has so many opportunities for us um, not just in the athletic world so we uh, get to attack you know as far as sales attack we get to go to um, hospitals and athletes universities um, anybody who's and it's not just university athletes athletes is university grab and goes because how easy is it to eat five ounces I mean you could eat it so quickly and so it gives you that boost right so so the thing about uh, the way 
from cheese mm-hmm. that is so valuable too is that it's highly bioavailable to your body. So like if you eat a steak, it'll take about 180 minutes for your body to break it down and, and utilize that protein. If you have whey from cheese, it will take 15 minutes. That's and so that's the other part about it too that's really valuable. So we're just launching it. We'll see how it goes. Time will tell, but we are really excited about offering a product that's not only delicious, but also it has so many benefits to humans. Yeah. So we're really excited. You want to make great food. Yeah. You want to be great people. You know, you want to have integrity sure. with what you do. But we are just real excited to see what happens with it. And it's something you would have never thought about. It just kind of, <laughs> it, it, it all came together. For sure. You know, it, it's one of those, I don't know, like a divine intervention yep. uh, <laughs> we'll moment. Yeah. Yeah. We, we say like the consistency because some people are like, is it uh, Italian ice? Is it an ice cream? What really is it? It has the, the texture like a sorbet. Yeah. So it's just really easy eating. I think that's accurate. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Cause I've had it and it's delicious. And, uh, is it? It's in stores now, isn't yep. it? Yep, uh, we have it in Deerberg's. Uh, we have it in IGA in Greenville, uh-huh. um, but we have it in a lot of we have it in a lot of places. Smaller so, shops, right. smaller groceries, in the St. Louis area, and that sort of thing. So. How many uh, coming out of this? I mean, this in the time that you've been doing this, which relatively is not a long time. I mean, I you know that you're going into your tenth year, but how many different? restaurants and or shops are your products in now do you know yeah we're probably in over 250 total uh we'll be in a lot more coming we have some exciting things that are coming up that will help us to grow and expand quite a bit too but right now we're in 250 300 just sort of depends on the season the time of year chefs change some chefs change their menu once a year Uh some every season some every month some every week and you know, it just can alternate quite a bit with that. But yeah, and when we started in 2010, you know, we knew that our home was St. Louis. And so we wanted to focus on that. And then as time went by and we were running out of cheese and we couldn't really get new customers because we didn't want the our current customers to be mad because we didn't have cheese. Uh, we And we um, increased our herd size and our capacity. Uh, we knew that we wanted to become more regional. So we sell our cheese to Kansas City, up Minnesota, Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, Tennessee, Missouri. I mean, so we've wow. with our cheese, we've really grown uh, regionally, and like some other retailers that we sell our cheeses, and I like the Whole Food stores, um, the Schnook stores in the St. Louis and Missouri and Illinois, um, Deerberg stores, and a bunch of smaller shops. So, uh, retail and food service are kind of two different um, animals, but um, our reach for both of them have uh, definitely grown over the years. Which is exciting. Amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's a it's a you know a dream come true for a company, mm-hmm. especially in our area, in this Greenville area, coming from the farm just mm-hmm. down the road. You know, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about too is uh, speaking of the extreme ice, because I had the the pleasure to be involved with a uh, experience first group last semester, I think it was, and you guys have been involved with them a couple times. Mm-hmm. I think Beth, you and I worked yeah. with that. Um, on the Extreme Ice Project, and um, it's wonderful that you you are willing and so helpful with teaming up. How does that work for you guys? Yeah, I think that um, Experience First, 
uh, fulfills a need for like our business. I can't speak to everyone, but but I also think that it fulfills a major need for um, juniors and seniors getting to be launched out into the real world. Um, and so most of the students that come to us, most of them don't know one another. Right. Um, and so they get to learn how to make new friends and then work together. I think that we're very independent as a society. And so whenever they get to go through the phases of becoming a team, um, I, you get to see that and evolve that. And I think that's neat for them to come to that conclusion. Right, on, and so. teaming up with you guys. And a little recap of what experience first. It's students that are put into teams. Usually they don't know each other. It's something, it's a class here at uh, uh, Greenville University, and they are paired up with a, uh, a, a project partner. And in this case, um, the group was paired up with uh, Marku Jersey Creamery. And uh, then that partner gives them project options mm-hmm. and projects, and they uh, they work through it. And so uh, Marcoud has been a great partner for um, the experienced first class over the over the past years. And as a matter of fact, is is uh, Mitchell still working with you guys? Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> let's see. He was on your. Uh, experience first group and that was last spring right so spring 2019 and then he in one of the meetings he I was just asking everybody what they were wanting to do um, after they graduated and and Mitch said that he wanted to stick around and continue to train and um, he looked very strong <laughs> and so I was like hmm <laughs> so yeah so so he still works he works uh, in in the creamery with cheese production and on the production side of things that's, so that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's the that's another partnership. Uh, uh, experience first, um, smart initiative partnership, and and the good things that can come out of it for the students here at Greenville University, which is it's just awesome for us. So we appreciate that. Um, I want to ask you before we wrap up, where do you? Well, first of all, how has this changed? In what ways has this changed your lives? I mean, I would imagine. Yeah, completely. Every way. Yeah, I mean, I, whenever I was growing up, I was never moving back to Greenville. I was never living on this farm. I was never, I was never, and don't say never. That's what we tell <laughs> young children. Don't say never. You'll regret it. But um, really, I, you know, I was living overseas. Then I moved back. And I was living in Dallas, Texas area and uh, doing counseling stuff. And I loved it. I mean, I really enjoyed that component. I I you know, I felt like I could do a pretty good job at it. So it was fulfilling in that way. Not that I was great or did it perfectly all the time, but I really enjoyed it. And so uh, whenever I realized, Amy, you're you're moving back to Greenville to take over the farm, you know, or to help with it or whatever the role would be, um, I, it changed my life completely. I, you know, always thought it'd be kind of neat to own my own business, but I didn't really realize the application and what that meant for my life and the sacrifice. Whenever you're an entrepreneur, whenever you start something from nothing, you have to be willing to give up a lot, especially initially, to build it into something that's worthy of, um, you know, I mean, we talk about profitability and sustainability, and we don't really believe that we're going to get, you know, so rich off of food or farming. It's not necessarily the goal, but if you can't be profitable, you can't stay in business. And so we're, uh, the things that we gave up, Beth, uh, the first two years of the creamery, Beth was, had got a full ride scholarship to get her master's degree at SIUC. And she would call me almost every day and say, I can quit and come home. And I said, don't you dare. You finish that. <laughs> but she was 
always helped out with everything that she could in more ways than what she probably wanted to those two years because she was pretty committed with her um, all of her things that she had to do at SAUC. But um, she came back to the farm after that then and helped take over and run things. She runs the whole farm side of the business now. And so we are, I live on the farm um, and Beth will soon live on the farm. And that's just a different lifestyle too. Uh, To live where you work is quite different than to have space. And so it's, but it's, it's a good thing. It's not all bad, Uh, but it definitely (laughs) was not the path that we thought that we'd be on whenever, you know, we were like, yeah, I'll get a master's degree in counseling. (laughs) So, yeah, I, whenever I went to grad school, my uh, desire was actually to work with people with physical disabilities, like cerebral palsy or any, any array of physical disabilities and get them outdoors. So whether that be rock climbing or whitewater rafting or is sending them down a zip line, that's really what I felt uh, draw to because it's, um, it's helping people and there's a need and it's an experience. Uh, I think that experiences are and opportunities are really, really fun. So I never thought that I would be um, this risky because entrepreneurship is very risky. And Beth, Beth <laughs> likes to be safe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even if I'm up in a tree, I know I'm safe because I can trust the equipment. But um, so I, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't. When people come to us and say, we really want to do this on our farm, I'm like, okay, well, there's just a lot of risks. And most farm people know it because agriculture is pretty risky. You're depending on everything that's not in your control, Um, the weather, the year, everything. And so um, I just didn't realize and I didn't think that it would be. You know, I didn't think I'd have this many daily risks, (laughs) but and, and, you know, just the weight of owning your own business and then the the heritage part of that, you know, uh, we we carry that. I mean, we're very proud about that and we're willing to fight for the purpose of our farm and our family. Um, But it's it. It, it's sometimes very hard. Now, it's very fulfilling whenever we have visitors or whenever our name is on the menu at a restaurant. And that's one of the neatest things is if we're ever out, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> um, but And if we're eating with my dad and our name is on the menu, I mean, the man almost gets to tears because who would have ever thought that he would have never thought that his name would be on a menu at this nice restaurant. And, um, that happens once a year, by the way, um, but <laughs> I gotta get you guys out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it still is, you know, like the, the, the purpose of providing an opportunity for others to learn and grow and engage is, um, is well worth it. So did you ever think going into it that it, you'd be at 250 plus locations? I mean, did you go into it? No, I mean, I honestly thought we'd go bankrupt after about yeah. six months. I was like, we're not going to make this This work. is hard work. Yeah, there's no way that we're going to pull this out. Um, but we also are very thankful for yeah. that because we don't take it lightly. We know that it's a great honor to be uh, on those folks. They have a lot to pick from. And so whenever they pick our product, we're really thankful and we don't, we say thank you. We leave extra tips because we know that they're providing for our family and our employees. Yeah. And whenever we started the creamery, I was the only time, full-time, full-time employee in the um, creamery and my dad was the only full-time employee. And we have like 20 employees now. Wow. And so we've grown so much to be, a, and we, so we're proud of the fact that we can offer jobs to folks, but they do a lot for us. It's, it's mutually think, you know, beneficial thing. So 
it's it's definitely very humbling in the sense that that we don't take it lightly. It's yeah, I mean, and whenever we talk about our purpose, and you know, it's about to make great cheese and make product, but it's about you know serving others too. And uh, this coming up year in September, we'll do our second. Um, Graze in the Grass, a benefit for Eden's Glory, which is a um, on-the-farm meal that we have one of our really great friends who's a chef in St. Louis, Chef Kevin Wilman, and he'll come out to the farm and make a four- or five-course dinner, and Eden's Glory will sell tickets, and it's a fundraiser for him. And so, um, and we want to be that sort of uh, support in our community with with what we can, because we have limits to of what we can do but um but we're, we're excited about how we can um maybe bridge gaps or uh, fill in the gap of different opportunities for people in our own community yeah that's amazing and that's uh it, you know and i think it's sort of doing those things it adds to your success without you intending for that to add to your success it's just sort of a natural way that things work out yeah. I think when you get back what you give yeah and so I think that's just how the universe is mm-hmm. and, um you know a godly intervention and, and that sort of thing um and we talked a little bit about tourism how many people go through your farm every year what is is, is this getting a, a larger number every year people stopping in yeah, we probably see about 30,000 people that come through our facility. Uh, obviously, the through April through October is the peak time, but then we'll have quite a jump in December as well. Next year, we'll probably see more than that. Uh, we have a couple of things, uh, a couple of specific groups that are coming out that will bring quite a few people. Yeah. And so uh, we're really excited about what 2020 will look like for yeah, we'll yeah. be really busy, so everybody should pray for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we will be. Uh, as a matter of fact, your name came up this morning. I was talking with our tourism director, Jess Adam. Uh, mentioned something. You have uh, something happening in the first weekend of June. Is that correct? Yep, our Cheese Fest, and that's oh, where we'll celebrate our 10th anniversary because it's literally one day after. It's June 6th this year. And so that we always have a Cheese Fest on the first um, weekend of June. But this year we'll make it really special. So cool. we're really excited about the opportunity. And for us, it's a way to uh, ask people, to have people, invite people to come to the farm. We play in a lot of really fun games. They're usually like, we use the things that we have. Uh-huh. Um, uh, like last, uh, we do a fall fest too. Uh, Beth and Laura created with some st- big straw bales, a slide. Oh, that. Nice. So we just use the same things that we have. And then we let, we want people to be able to come out. We're not asking them to pay anything to come. Right. We just want it to be a really fun family experience. And we do have, a, we make fried cheese curds and grilled cheese. And we have bratwurst with cheese in them because cheese needs to be the theme at the cheese fest yeah. uh, but we so we have opportunities for people to buy things and we have our store open we usually have a long line for ice cream that day but really for us it is you know growing up on a farm we didn't have a lot yeah. and I mean I remember it would be special to be taken to McDonald's you know and so for us it's like a really fun way to give back to the community and say hey here's a fun free event to come out to you don't have to buy anything if you don't want to we just want you to come and have fun with your family and what we also know from a business side is that it's future marketing. Yeah. And we want this to be something that families do every single June because we can't wait for the day whenever people are like, I'm bringing my kids. I used to do this every June, too, that's because we cool. all have experiences like that. And they're so special. And so that's what we want. And that's the desire of of that weekend. And so that's Saturday. 
Yeah, yeah we awesome. usually have anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 people roll through in a matter of four hours. So, wow. um, so it's, it, it's a lot of fun. It, it, it's tiring, but that gives us a lot of joy and happiness in oh, that, sure. too. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, and, you know, in an indirect effect for the city of Greenville, we benefit. When people come to visit mm-hmm. Marcoot Jersey Creamery, yeah. they come into Greenville and people will say even, I'm, I'm coming out to, I'm going to go out to Marcoot. What else is there to do? You know, yeah. so that that is uh, enhances our town and our community, which is good for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've partnered with businesses and said, hey, let's print off some cards and let's just give them directions on how to get back yeah. into Greenville. The We want it to be good for everybody. Exactly. We, we're not in the city proper, but whenever people drive, Beth always says that for tourism, people will drive how many miles? 70? About 85 miles round trip. Round trip. And so That's most awesome. of our customers come from St. Louis or Edwardsville or Effingham or Springfield or Carbondale even. And they're mostly not from Greenville. And right. so they're coming in, but whenever they come, they don't just want one thing to do. They right. want to go somewhere and have lunch. They and so we're going to... Yeah, exactly. And so we say, hey, these are the great places you need to check out. If you want to get a great burger, go to Kahuna's. If you want this, go here. You know, if you want, go there. And so we just pull people back into the city because it's that's what they want, but it's yeah. just good for all of it's us. It's good for all of us. And yeah, and, and that's, you know, not, you know, that's just the the indirect yep. benefit of, uh, of, of of you being so near to us. So that's, that's awesome. And we thank you for that. Um, before we end, um, what are your, what are your thoughts for the future? Yeah, we're really excited. We have, we really believe that 2020 is going to be the best year that we've ever had. Uh, we believe with the new products that we've developed over the last two years and we're launching, uh, we're just going to have a great year. We're going to have a lot of fun. We look forward to growth, a lot of growth even. We look forward to continue to grow with employees, but really a lot of that's just based off of sales. And so we have a couple really, we're shipping our uh, first pallet to the Texas Rangers spring training in a couple weeks of Extreme awesome. Ice Pro. Uh-huh. And we are just really excited. We have a lot of other, um, you know, Major League Baseball teams, hockey, you know, to, that we're working with. But then we're just excited to continue to our fun event in September. Mm-hmm. And we're really excited about the outlook of our business. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's Well, we'll all be watching and we're all excited about you as well. And and thanks again for taking time out of your busy schedules because go out to eat or something. You, yeah. you don't get to do that too much. So. That's true. So, so you, should, you should do that. We'll all go together. How about that? Uh, I want to thank uh, Beth and Amy for being here today. Get out, uh, visit Marcoot Jersey Creamery. Uh, what are the hours? In the winter, we are open from 10 to 4, Monday through Friday, and 10 to 3 on Saturday. April 1st, we'll go back to our regular hours, and it will be 10 to 5, Monday through Friday, and 10 to 3 on Saturday. All right. Well, there. You heard it. It's it's not hard to find. You get on get on the, on the old internet there and yeah. uh, get your directions. If you contact us at the Chamber uh, office, we can also direct you that way. Again, thank you so much. Um, and thank you all for tuning in today. Thanks to Loy Cole for being here and getting us back on track with our Greenville Smart Podcast. The Greenville Smart Podcast is brought to you by Greenville University and the Greenville Chamber of Commerce and today by Marcoot Jersey Creamery. And we will talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you.